Good morning. Our reading this morning is taken from Philippians chapter 3 verses 7 to 14. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to take hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forwards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. One of the blessings that I enjoyed in May and June was being able to link up with College Chapel at Regent's Park College, which is where I help a little with those who are training for ministry. Chapel services are at 5.45 on Fridays, before what is an Oxford tradition of formal hall for dinner. And in all the time that I've been connected to the college in recent years, I've never been able to attend, because the services uh, obviously have been at a difficult time. But last term on Zoom, I had the opportunity of joining in. And the theme for the term was, this is my story, this is my song, which is a phrase that some of you will recognise from a well-known hymn, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. And each week, one of the staff members shared a testimony and chose a song. And for most of the weeks, it was the female tutors in recognition of the 100th anniversary of women being awarded degrees at Oxford University. And then there were two weeks left at the end of the series, so two of the men finished those off. And I really enjoyed listening to those services. And I'd like to incorporate the same idea into a few of our services over the next year or so, just from time to time, different people sharing their story. We do it, of course, every time someone is baptised. But there are many other stories that we can share and that can be encouraging to us. And I thought I would bring just a little of my own story today, especially from my baptism. Now this Bible was given to me by my dad on my 14th birthday. And he wrote inside it, Paul, best wishes for a very happy birthday and much love, Dad. 2 Timothy 2 verse 15. Well, I had to look up the text. And this is a Revised Standard Version Bible, not a translation we use very much these days. But 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15 says, 
Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Now, I've always been keen to understand and interpret the scriptures as carefully as possible. I think my dad chose a good text for me on that day. And in the years which followed, I wrote many things in this Bible. Notes from sermons, quotes from writers and preachers. It feels like part of the formative years of my spiritual journey. And looking at it now, jogs many memories of significant moments. I also kept a record in this Bible of some of the key dates in my life, including my baptism on the 18th of May, 1969. I don't remember a great deal about that baptism, but I do remember particularly the verse that was given to me on that day, which was uh, incorporated within our reading just now, Philippians 3 and verse 14. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And against those words in this Bible, I just put baptism text and put the date. Similar words, of course, in, in more recent translations. And at the time that I had, had that verse, I don't think I had a great understanding of what it would really mean. As a teenager, I worked hard at school. My best subjects were maths and science. I did three maths A-levels in those days, pure maths, applied maths and further maths were all separate subjects, as well as doing physics and chemistry. And then I secured a university place to read maths with a view to becoming an actuary. And it all felt pretty secure and comfortable. Away from work, I enjoyed living in Southend-on-Sea in the estuary of the River Thames. Uh, when the tide was in, we had a great time in canoes and boats. I've never lost my love of the sea. We also had opportunity for expeditions, for tennis, for long distance cycling. And again, those interests have remained for the rare occasions when time allows them. But when I came to the next stage of my life, God had a different plan. I recall very clearly the evening when I felt convicted by the Holy Spirit and I knew that I needed to explore ministry. Nothing had been further from my thoughts. And to cut a long story short, not long, long after that, I was in Oxford studying theology and preparing for Baptist ministry. And then my first appointment was right in the heart of London in an environment which previously felt incredibly strange, but where Francis and I made wonderful friends and found our feet in the calling which we together have received. At the start of our ministry, I was given another Bible on the occasion of my ordination. This too is very well worn. It's actually a Good News translation, which was the version that was used in our first church in Balham, and the text which my college principal used for the sermon at my ordination were the words of Ephesians 4 and verse 1, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And in a way, it seems to me that this followed on so well from my baptism text. Press on towards the goal and live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And along the journey, also remember to rightly handle the word of truth, which is, of course, there for us all the time in the pages of Scripture. And so there is a common theme running through those three Scripture verses given to me in the formative years of my life and ministry 
from my dad, my pastor, and my college principal. And they are to do with the fact that my life is ultimately in the hands of someone else. I press on towards the goal of God's call on the last day. And meanwhile, I need to live a life that is worthy of the calling that I've received and present myself to God as one who does not need to be ashamed and rightly handles the word of truth. Clearly, I have my part to play in this, but equally I need to trust in the one who has called me and will continue to call me to follow him. And those three texts are not just for me. I think they are a great pattern for all of us. The words from Philippians 3, which were my baptism text, came in the context of the Apostle Paul describing how he had considered everything that he had once known as of little or no value compared with the all-surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ. It is a very rich passage, needs many more sermons to unpack fully, but I particularly value the sense in which the Apostle Paul was always straining forward to what lies ahead, holding on to Christ, who first took hold of him. Jesus Christ was his Saviour and Lord. Jesus Christ was the person of supreme worth, that everything else was relatively worthless, and his longing was to know Christ. His focus was on what was ahead of him. His ultimate vision was to press on to that final day of being with Jesus Christ in heaven. Here was someone who was all consumed with a passion for Jesus Christ. I wonder, does Jesus mean that much to you today? Are you really committed to knowing him, serving him, following him, and looking forward to being with him in eternity? And just as I have been seeking to live out the particular call of God on my life and continue to do so, despite so many failings along the way, are you recognising that God has called you too? He calls you to follow him. He calls you to trust him, to serve him and to live in a way that honours him. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life So you will also need to seek to hear his voice, to act upon his truth, and to find in him the true meaning of your life. Is that really happening for you today? And I believe that this applies to us corporately too. We together are being called on a journey of discipleship, a journey which has particular challenges and particular new directions at the present time. And we need to place our lives in the changing and the changing life of the church very firmly into God's hands. As a church, our destiny is in heaven, and together we need to express a corporate life now which is worthy of our faith, and together we need to discern God's truth in our very complex society, and together we need to be a beacon of hope, looking forward for all that is yet to come. If you were at the church meeting on Wednesday, then you will know some of the particular issues that we're wrestling with at the moment. And we need a Christ-centred focus as we discern the voice of the Spirit for our particular community at this moment in time. Now, the title of this talk was, This is my story, this is my song. And the song, which I think goes best with my story, is this song, Build This House which we will use to finish the service later today. With the words so easy to desire what others have, instead of using all the gifts that you have given me, 
So help me flan, fan the flame which you begun, and burn in me a love for you that all will clearly see, for unless you build the house, I am building it in vain. Unless the work is yours, there is nothing to be gained. And as a church, we need to press on to the goal of God's final call to us in heaven. And we need together to live lives worthy of the calling we have received and put our trust completely in Jesus Christ. I'm going to pause and pray now. It may be that today you're feeling lonely or isolated. It may be that you are wavering in your faith. It may be that what I've said has really challenged you to put your life into God's hands today. And in the front page of this same Bible from my dad, I wrote down the words which are often used as a prayer of commitment for those who are first trusting in Jesus. I'm going to read these words and they may just be what you need to pray today and you can make them your own. And then I will continue to pray as we incorporate all of us in our response to what God is saying today. So here is a prayer that enables you to put your trust into, in Jesus Christ for the very first time. Lord Jesus Christ, I know I have sinned in my thoughts, words and actions. There are so many good things I have not done. There are so many sinful things I have done. I am sorry for my sins and turn from everything I know to be wrong. I know you gave your life upon the cross for me. Gratefully, I give my life back to you. Now I ask you to come into my life. Come in as my saviour to cleanse me. Come in as my Lord to control me. Come in as my friend to be with me and I will serve you all the remaining years of my life in complete obedience. Amen. And Lord God, as together we hear your call today, we pray that you will give us grace, conviction and determination to follow you, to keep looking to you and to press on towards that final goal and all the way to live lives that are worthy of the calling that we have received. Father, we are sorry for those times when we have wandered from you. Bring us back to yourself now and draw us together, though we listen to this in different locations today. Lord, through your Holy Spirit, bind us together as a community of believing people moving forward expectantly in Jesus' name. Amen. And now we move from my story to the greatest story ever known about the greatest person who ever lived, who is the greatest gift to the whole of mankind, that of Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Saviour of the world. We turn our thoughts to the night when he was betrayed. Not any night, but that decisive night shaped by the betrayal and denial of his friends against the backdrop of the power struggles 
in Jewish-Roman relationships. A night full of emotion, a night full of anguish, but also so very full of sacrificial love. Jesus took bread, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Communion is a very special time. I know it doesn't feel the same as when we're physically together in one place, but I do want to encourage you this morning to allow these to be moments when God is speaking to you and when you're able to come to him with fresh commitment today. And as we remember his great sacrifice, may each of us individually and all of us together offer our lives again to God today, straining forward to what lies ahead towards the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus our Lord.